family is all that lives in sight and sound, touch and taste. Live, come on, be human and give, give, give. <laughs> the Woodstock Roundtable welcomes you to be a part of being human. Aho! Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Woodstock Roundtable. Doug Ranthier, your host, and we do look forward to some interesting, insightful, dynamic, improvisational conversation with our two co-hosts, our Woodstock Roundtable Poet Laureate and Saugatarian Socialite Victoria Sullivan, Radio Woodstock Weekend On Air Warrior, who pushes all the right buttons to keep us on the air here during our show, Ron Van Wormer. Our guest will be the director of the upcoming Woodstock Film Festival, which has become a very important cultural event, not just locally, not just regionally, but nationally and internationally. Mayor Blaustein will join us. We will open up the Woodstock Roundtable jukebox, looking at some of the greatest guitar solos of all time. And uh, you might have missed it, but there's this controversy going on with this psychologist and the Supreme Court nominee. We are going to dig deep and get down into some of the depths and pervasive levels of what's going on culturally, psychologically, in the collective unconscious. It should be fun. It could be a little confusing, definitely a little chaotic. And we hope we'll all learn a little something. We'll have a few laughs in between. And by the way, some music from the Sultan of Sonic Soul to make everything sound right. We'll have an existential wrap-up with our favorite street philosopher, Patrick Carlin, all happening in the next two hours right here at the Woodstock Roundtable. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah. Is he going to let us talk this morning? <laughs> yeah, he's doing it. There's a little static on there, but I, I, yeah. think I, I think I cleaned it up. Well, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Ron. And good morning. So I have, I, I normally don't get a full, I got my change of season cold. You're stressed out, as you mentioned. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Ron had to take the week off. Well, let's face it. It's a pop boiler time. Um, and this has been building up for a long time. And I have, I was trying to think, you know, where do I start with this Kavanaugh Ford and this whole mm. chaotic, um, difficult, virulent, angry, supportive issue? And I have three words. Jeff Flake's face. Ah. Wow. Because, first of all, I... Where was I? I don't know where I... I was not around watching media when the news broke that they were going to delay the hearings. I was assuming they were just going to ram him through as the chairman <laughs> said they were going to do, the Republican chairman, which is an interesting phrase given what's going on. Yes. That they're going to ram this guy through. Um, so I was rather surprised to hear that they were going to delay it for a week. Uh, so now I turn on the TV and I see the senator from Arizona who's not running for re-election, mm -hmm. Jeff Flake, and we've all now seen 
the video of the two women who literally cornered him in an elevator. Yes. Yeah. And very heroic, very interesting. But as usual, as much credit as those two women deserve, um, the reason he changed his mind, they lit the fuse, but the fuse had been ready to be lit by the flood of angry women from Arizona and elsewhere who were all over this guy yeah. through emails and Twitter and surrounding his office, etc. So um, these two women lit the fuse by literally cornering him as he's going <laughs> up to, you know, approve Kavanaugh. And I looked at this guy's face, Jeff Flake, and what he did, I, don't, I wouldn't call it heroic. He's doing the right thing. I mean, it shouldn't be that tough. He's not running again. Right. You know? Um, so what's what does he lose? But anyway, uh, the fact is he did the right thing. Not easy. And we have to remember he's a politician. And I watched him and literally, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you put, he looked like he'd seen a ghost. I he, think it was their passion and their spontaneity because he'd been listening for days to his fellow senators, blowing hard and some sounding to me very rational and some sounding really crazy and bullying. And he'd been listening to this for days and it was all very programmed. Uh, he gets in this elevator, and as I understand it, these women almost hadn't planned to do it, but they suddenly see he's in there with them, and it just comes out like, well, this happened to me or my family or, you now, know. Now, did you watch Body Language? Because we all know, well, if we don't know, 90% um, of communication is nonverbal. Right, and it was, they, they were like, they looked out of control, but not out of control in a bad way, out of control in that way that you are they were very when grounded. you're extremely emotional. No, they were very grounded. In right. other words, they, were, they raised their voices, they were clearly angry, but they weren't, they weren't criticizing him as much as imploring him. Right, and telling him their experience. How can you do this? And you're, you're going to listen to us. Right. That, that, what they basically <laughs> did was they say, you're not closing this elevator door you're going yeah. to listen to us and he looked like a schoolboy who had been caught with his hand in the cookie jar and, and, I mean, she, and she said look me in the eye look me in the eye he, he don't <laughs> look away yeah and then um to his credit he came on the into the judiciary room and the hearing room and he made a statement and he looked like the blood had been drained out of his <laughs> face. And it made me realize that um, as arrogant um, and cocksure as a lot of these Republicans men can act, they're feeling it too. Yeah. And um, Well, they're also lucky they found him in the elevator because they could have found many other Republicans who would not, who would have just said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. He was someone who'd had some doubts and has had some doubts about the whole administration so, so that he was someone that could I'm sure that they were seeking open. him out as yeah, well. Because that, that's he was, the that's, the why, they, that's right. why he was the one that was cornered right. and not somebody right. else because... He had the potential to right. listen. Some of them have no potential. Look at Lindsey Graham. Well, we he would have just, you know, we know that stepped off the elevator. Already has issues with Trump. He's not running again. But I, I'm still curious about what he sees as his political future because I don't think he is ending his political career. I think he's just 
I, I think that's why he was on the fence. I think if he was really going to end, he wouldn't vote for the guy. But he wants to not be seen as the Republican who queered the thing. I think he doesn't want to be seen that way as a man who not only walked away, but, you know, took the ball, you know, when the kid okay. quits the game. But here's why, here's where all the rationality, in my opinion, has to be thrown out the window. <laughs> okay. And that's because, and I understand why this happened, but let's just take a look at it because it's, it's fascinating. Let's, first of all, you know, I'm a big picture guy. I, I love the small picture is these two women cornered a senator in the elevator and may have changed history. Okay. That's, that's, that's it. That's really fascinating. Yeah. But of course we realize again, it wasn't just those two. It was the hundreds mm -hmm. of people and all the pressure thousands and the pressure on these people. that has been building up and it's not just been building up since this guy was nominated. This has been building up for decades. Mm -hmm. Okay. <coughs> the, and the, the Me Too movement, et cetera. I just thought about this. It's a, it's a fact we all know, but it's startling, okay? Because of the Me Too movement, and I'm not just talking about them literally, I'm talking about the cultural paradigm we're in, where now you're much less likely to get away with harassing women, okay? And if anything, some innocent men are going to get swept up in this, which is inevitable, unfortunate, but inevitable. This is a powerful tidal wave, mm -hmm. okay? Let's look at our culture at this moment. Very, very, very powerful people have been forced out of their jobs and out of their careers because of sexual harassment. Not rape. Right. Not beating, wife beating. But just se inappropriate sexual pressure and behavior. Who are we talking about? Harvey Weinstein, one of the most powerful Hollywood moguls. His was extreme. He was extreme. Les Moonves, head of CBS right. television network. Okay. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. Um, uh, Matt Lauer. These are powerful, powerful people. And very quickly, boom, they're out on their ass. Al Franken. That's, who that, may be, who may be maybe the one, one the innocent right. people yes. involved in all of this. His was joking around. It <laughs> but, turned out to be in poor well, taste, but he was joking around. I believe around. there must have been something else, because I don't think he's that chicken that he would have just, just crumbled uh -huh. for doing something which was a hijinks. But at any rate, let me, here's my point. <laughs> all these powerful men were not with long trousers and that, immediately had their legs cut out from under them in other parts of their anatomy. Appropriately, Right. I'd like to see other parts of and, the anatomy. <laughs> and yet, the man sitting in the White House, who's more powerful than all of them, boasts of mm -hmm. being a sexual yep. predator. Yep. He has gotten away with what Think none of the others have. That. And you'd say, okay, maybe that was just a, a crazed moment where because Hillary was so, you know, not a good candidate and because people just wanted something new, they were tired of all the old Washington, same old... You can't even make that argument anymore because this guy, after almost two years in office, is literally pulling the strings on Kavanaugh and Lindsey Graham. They said it as much. This guy, Kavanaugh, wants to be a Supreme Court justice, and he said in his statement, he said that he had talked with President Trump, who told him to be more aggressive. Right. Okay? And Lindsey Graham, 
being interviewed, said basically after his tirade, hey, if we don't get this guy through, I guess it's going to be who has to go up and explain it to Trump. <laughs> like he's a school kid who's going to yeah. get beat, who's, who's, who's going to get detention. The Republicans have really. So uh, despite all the proper dismembering of these haughty, arrogant, sexual predator men losing very powerful positions, the guy with the most powerful position is sitting up there still pulling the strings. Yeah. Yeah, because there's nobody brave enough uh, down below to actually risk their own careers to uh, But, you know, I think another thing has come out, speaking as a woman, which I normally speak as, but particularly (coughs) at this moment, I don't think most men and many good men have any idea the level of sexual harassment women get throughout their lives. That's the point of the Me Too movement. And they're saying now, you know, like that... Two-thirds of sexually uh, abused women probably don't come forward. So you don't hear about it. You don't hear about the number of rapes. You don't hear about the number of sexual attacks. And I think that what this hearing has done for women is at some point in it when they heard uh, Dr. Ford speaking, the memories were rising up in them of things that had happened to them that they didn't want to think about anymore, that they hadn't thought about for years. And I know I've talked to women who are are shaking, and I've talked to my daughter, and she said she and her friends. And it's like, it's almost universal that if you haven't been raped, uh, which probably isn't universal, you have had some extremely bad and frightening experiences with men trying to overwhelm you physically. And you've been locked in rooms or you've you 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 got drunk your freshman year of college and some guy dragged you off and you had to fight your way out of his room, etc. And you try and sit on that or you I mean, when I used to travel by myself in my 20s and 30s in Europe, uh, I would be in a hotel and the guy would say, well, I'll take your key up. And I'd say, no, thank you. No, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in. Just please give me my key. No, come on. I'm going to take you upstairs. I'll, I'll open the door for you. And, and I was in a country, Greece, where I knew a lot of the men were quite sexually aggressive at that time. And I had to say to this guy at like midnight, tired, I said, if you don't give me that key, I'm going to pick up this chair and throw it through your plate glass window. Good for you. But, you know, but if you have to keep doing that, it's very draining as a woman. And you start to feel <clears throat> like prey. I've heard the argument, too, from, from some women in this instu- in instance that Kavanaugh was a teenager. And you know, what boy hasn't done that kind of a thing? Boys do that. That's what, that's what high school, that, t- that testosterone and all of that going through them. And that's what boys do. And I hear that. And I, and, and I go, I didn't. Yeah, lots of boys <laughs> didn't. But lots didn't. of... Men, and I think a lot of men are made very unconscious by, uh, I mean, very nervous by this if they think about it, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that getting on, t- I mean, that, they locked the door, as the story goes, they locked the door, he got on top of her, and I, who have had to fight off men on top of me, know what it feels like to have someone who weighs 100 pounds more than you on top of you, and when you scream, they put their hand over your mouth, and you have for a moment, and I have vivid memories of thinking, I'm going to die. And I can't imagine you forgetting who it is that's holding exactly. your mouth. Exactly. You do not. Who, who is you, covering your mouth? You, you, you and don't forget that. And it's not that hard. I remember things from high school. I remember things from college. You know, I remember things from later. Uh, and then I started remembering things about my friends and other stories I'd been told and friends of mine who'd gotten 
taken sexually while drunk and, and later got abortions. And, and, you know, I mean, I we all have these stories in us and we kind of sit on them because they're they're so disturbing that you don't want to think about well, the, them. that party's mm-hmm. over because, uh, as I've explained before, while I am not on Twitter, not on Facebook, <clears throat> I think they have at their best because we know what they are at their worst uh, at their best. They offer a kind of um, view into the collective unconscious. And so all of this pent-up legitimate anger of all these millions of women who've suffered what you have got to go on Twitter. They don't have to write letters and have them read five days later or buried somewhere. You go on Twitter and you can, you can see it. You can swim in it. I want to switch it to something a little bit different because this to me was also, since we are in the age of TV reality, let's just be honest, um, what was extraordinary? Okay. The excuse given to Kavanaugh for being angry, losing his temper, and basically being prickly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. read through what I wanted to say, Right, was forgiven because he's under such pressure. Well, how about Dr. Ford? How much pressure was she under? So let's just take a look for the moment at the two of them as they appeared in this pressure cooker under oath. She was calm, grounded, firm, respectful, and open. She never raised her voice. But she was not weak. She was very firm. Mm -hmm. And even the Republicans, this is the slight shift in the culture since Anita Hill, including the the sexual predator president, said she was compelling. And even a number of Republicans said she was believable. Okay. Now here comes a guy who is under the same pressure cooker. I give him that. Not easy loses his temper, screams, yells back at the people asking his questions, <laughs> right? And is totally aggressive. Great yes. temperament for a Supreme Court justice. Now, I just, as a thought experiment, you're somebody who was not aware of this whole thing and you're brought into a room, right? You've been taking drugs and you don't remember a thing about the uh-huh. last two weeks. And they put those two people on and you're not, uh, you're not even to worry about what they're. You just watch them as people. Of the two, uh, Christine Blasey Ford or Kavanaugh, which was more had the temperament of a Supreme Court judge? Well, obviously she did. She did. She much more. He and he has he 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 he. To me, that blew his chance of becoming a Supreme Court justice. Let me say one other... And and it certainly will uh, diminish the Supreme Court if he is on it. Let me say one other thing. One of the things that the the fans of Kavanaugh keep saying is like, well, he denied it. I have been in situations where someone has made some unacceptable move on me, like in a movie theater revealing himself or something in the old days when all this crazy guys used to go to the movie theater and i've screamed you know put that thing away and get out of this theater and then someone comes down the aisle and says excuse me what's going on the guy goes she's crazy she's crazy i don't know what she's talking about nobody ever admits to sexual aggression it is just it's an absolute lie so for him and the more they 
are upset, the more I know it's true. Because I've seen that in situations where I know the truth of a situation, and I see someone denying it with that kind of rage that he had. When when someone accuses you of something you didn't do, you tend to be more sort of surprised and like thrown off and like, what? I didn't do that. No, of course I didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. You don't get that angry when you're falsely accused. And think about your own life. The times you've been most hurt by something someone said, it's usually because it's true. And let's say, mm. but let's say just for the sake of argument, that Kavanaugh, I think that is his temperament, but let's say it wasn't. Let's say he, the only reason he acted the way he did, temperamental, violent, aggressive, was because Trump, who has the right as president to select his nominee, called him up and said, that's how to do it. <laughs> How can you be a Supre- an independent Supreme Court yeah. justice when you're taking instructions from a guy? Right, <laughs> right. From the president. You're taking instructions going in for your hearing. Well, you know, another thing I haven't seen talked about much because I've seen a lot of discourse on it is how many times when the people kept trying to get him on the drinking thing, did he did he say sort of proudly, well, yes, I drink beer. I like beer. And then he'd look at the senator and he'd say, do you like beer? Do you like beer? He must have mentioned beer. I mean, <laughs> they weren't mentioning beer all the time. They'd say things like, did you drink? Did you drink? Did you pass out, etc." And he would cock his head in that way and sort of throw up his chin. And, and he'd say, well, I like beer. Don't you like beer? And it's like, one, we're not asking about Durbin's, you know, drinking habits, which I suspect would be moderate. Uh we're talking to you, sir. You're the one who's being interviewed. You don't get to ask us about our drinking. And when did boffing become <laughs> farting? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was just a lie. It and just, and, and the mean, crazy and, thing about the poor girl who they all advertised that they'd had sex with in the yeah, yearbook. The alumnus, right. He lied about that. Yeah. So the, the point is, um, now, so what's going on? So now we have a week, okay? Now, last week I made a prediction. And when I make predictions... <laughs> I don't necessarily say them because I'm convinced they're going to come true. It's just how I kind of feel the thing is going. Right. right? So what was your prediction? My prediction was this guy's going to get through. The Supreme Court is going. That's number one. Number two, the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Oh. And number three, it's going to ignite. If you think Je- uh, uh, if you think Jeff Flake's face looked ghostly and ghastly. After being confronted by those women, when that happens, and if it happens, I'm predicting it will, it will light a social revolution the likes of which this country's rarely seen before. I'm not an historian, so there, there probably have been riots before and things like that. In a way, and I'm not saying I want this to happen, mm-hmm. but there is an argument that could be made that that might be the best thing that could happen because <laughs> this reminds me of when you thought that getting trump might be the best thing well, that it would might, happen I, and i still stick to that <laughs> in the big picture it might make I'll, the changes that well, wouldn't have happened hang otherwise. on now i'll tell you <laughs> okay, why i'll okay, tell you why okay. if hillary had been elected which we all thought she would have been right we wouldn't have to worry about the supreme court but you know what the republicans in the majority would have excoriated her they would have prevented her from getting anything done and she would have done what she's always done in her career, despite the fact that she's a brilliant, tough woman. She always, like her husband, always veers to the middle. Mm. And we would have had v- relative... Now, we w- the Supreme Court would have been saved. That's no small thing. That's the only reason I voted for her, is because I was concerned about the Supreme Court. But if she had been elected, we would be in a total swamp right now, standstill. Republicans would be 
totally in control of the situation despite her being in the White House. Mm-hmm. I think I have a cold right now. What is a cold? It's the reason I don't load myself up with vitamin C and take all these homeopathic. It's a the, the body needs to cleanse. Okay? Uh, I think and by the way, I didn't vote for Trump. I think he's a menace. No, but I'm, you used I'm to just say saying, that it would be a, I'm just a saying possibly that, a good thing. <laughs> I'm just saying that we may need this because maybe the reason I'm looking at the collective unconscious maybe <laughs> the reason that while the president of CBS and Hollywood's most effective most powerful mogul and top media people entertainment people are gone because of sexual harassment char- charges right mm-hmm. right a guy who bragged about being a sexual predator is sitting in the White House and maybe that's what we maybe we just maybe that's the way the unconscious comes to grip hmm. by just having to look at it. You can't avoid it. This guy's tweeting and in our face every day and we have no choice but to confront it. And maybe that's what it takes to make significant change instead of small little incremental one step, you know, two steps up, one step back. One, you know, it's time for big changes. And. <clears throat> We'll see. By the way, let's see how this midterm works, because you know what? It'll certainly be helpful, as is expected, the Democrats take the House. But if they took the Senate, look, I know. At, look out. Yep. So let's just see if people get off their ass and vote. I think this guy might go down, though. I think that they, they've all heard from these women all over the country. They're going to keep hearing from them. It's not going to stop. Yeah. I think they'd be smart, actually, uh, uh, arguing sort of with you and against you. <laughs> uh, I think the Republicans would be smart to pull him. Of course they would, because they could still get a conservative. Of course. Who would vote the same way he does. There are other qualified candidates. But if he gets in, we're going to be mad forever. Oh, yeah. Because we know these stories i mean the yale stories the others i mean how many people at yale are going to say this guy was like a heavy blackout drinker if he wasn't really Look, why I, again i'm going <laughs> to predict and i know nothing uh about the the future as no one else does i'll be very surprised i think what's going to happen is the fbi is going to come back they don't determine anything they provide right. information right there will be some information that seems to indicate he might have done this there'll be other People saying he absolutely didn't. There will not be enough for to force the Republicans and their and their. And I I happen to agree with this part of your argument. Um, as okay, let's assume that there's no way. And I'm not saying there isn't, but let's assume there's no way the Democrats can prevent the Republicans from putting in a Supreme Court justice, whether it's this guy or not who's going to be an ultra, ultra right-wing conservative, including overturning Roe v. Wade, and horrible on women's issues. Mm-hmm. Let's assume, for the sake of argument, the Democrats don't take the Senate, and if it's not Kavanaugh, it'll be this woman they're already talking about, who's every bit as conservative as him. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that how does that change anything? You know what I'm saying? It's still, and, and it, it gives the Republicans cover. So, uh, it almost might be better if they, if they approve this guy, uh, because then yeah. the you know what's going to hit the fan, yeah. and maybe that's what has to happen. Well, it might. It might make that. It might. You know, forty percent of the people eligible voters in America didn't vote last time. Let's see what happens this time. So Are let's they see show what happens up? this time. Will those forty percent who didn't vote vote? Yeah. 
And how do they vote? How does that 40% uh, vote? I mean, it, it may be the wrong 40% for uh, the, the liberal side, and it may be 40% for the side. But, you know, beyond side. politics, <laughs> getting back to the woman thing, which I am a little hung up on at the moment. You have, well, uh, if you're not hung up on it now, I, you're never going to I it. think that really women are it, – it's, it's so beyond me, too. It's, it's almost just like me. If I'm a woman, I have suffered these things. I have had people paw me when I didn't want them to. I've had people follow me to my car and try and grab me. I've, I've, I, I had my nose broken in Paris because I turned a guy down on the street and he broke my nose and gave me a concussion and I went to the hospital. I mean, now I might be an extreme case. I was out there a little too much. But every woman has had... And we, as I say, we've sat on it, but I don't think they're going to sit on it anymore. And I could see the parties breaking down along gender lines and women just saying, we absolutely have to take over because we've put up with too much. And this is in America. In other countries, you know, where where spousal abuse, I think, is probably way more and where the controls, you know, like Saudi Arabia, supposedly they can drive now. Well, you know, like, but they've been arresting all the, the women who uh, were in that movement to drive. So they've passed the law, they can drive, but they've been arresting the original protesters. So worldwide, there's been an oppressive, uh, just domination. I mean, you know, like we thought we were fighting patriarchy back in the 60s and 70s. And it's just so clear that it's it's a knockdown drag out battle like the racist battles are knockdown drag out battles. And all right, but here's the thing about what well, I disagree with you about a women's party. We'd have to, div- and this should happen. Two parties is ridiculous. We should be in Europe. There aren't two parties. There could be six parties, and you have to work it out. It, um, because let's not forget, you've got a lot of conservative women out there with their heads in the sand refusing to look at issues who will vote for would vote for Kavanaugh with no problem mm-hmm. lots of women I yeah. suppose but I have a feeling That's that depressing. some of them if they were taken aside by their their female friends oh yeah good luck I I uh, yes you're right I mean I saw one the other day s- defending him and and she was making my skin crawl um, and she was, and she was sort of adamant, like he was. No. So she was very unappealing to me. I think that th- that those women have friends who are like minded. So if they're speaking to their friends, they're going to get the same. Well, with certain issues, yes. Doing. I mean, there's certainly plenty of women who are anti-abortion, et cetera. But I think when it comes down to well, I, I like, I hope you're how right. How are you treated by men? How okay. much respect do you get? Well, to make your point, the the uh, however many women there are who are sick and tired of this thing and there are a lot of them that's why jeff flake's face was drained of all its blood uh let's see if they come out and vote because remember in some of these senatorial races these are very conservative states and as tired and angry and violent i want to get when i see these haughty white men sitting up you know uh uh, pontificating, um, I my skin crawls like yours just as much mm. when I have to hear these, and they're almost always blonde women on in the media who um, think Kavanaugh is just wonderful. Yeah, they do make my skin crawl. I because I think they're just not thinking it through. I just think that there's a 
gut level below am I a conservative or a liberal, there's a gut level and I think black people have come to it, you know, like they've tried to be reasonable and they marched and they did this and they did that and they did the other. And now they're just saying, you know, there's some hardcore racists out there no matter what we do. And that's when they really get to like, we're just not going to put up with this. And that's my not argument, but my point about if we're looking for a silver lining in Trump sitting in that White House, because otherwise we might as well just all jump off bridges that this guy could have gotten there. This may be what I call the collective unconscious needs. We need to see it's called the shadow. We need to we need to see it right in our freaking faces yep. until we can't until we're not willing to accept it anymore. Uh, we've accepted it for too long. And this kind of change does not happen quietly. It doesn't happen slowly. Right. It's like the French Revolution, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think they were prepared for. <laughs> no, I don't you think know. so. It's hard to prepare for a revolution. <laughs> yeah. Right. But when we come back, one of my favorite words, I'm going to read something which um, is one of my favorite words. It's a screed. Mm. Now, as an English teacher, are you familiar with the word screed? I am familiar with the word screed. I was screed. counting on you. I, <laughs> I would bet a lot of money that you would know what a screed is. Well, yeah. uh, a screed is a perfect antidote to where we are right now. And interestingly, the screed I'm going to read was written before Christine Blasey Ford did that <laughs> monumental job of appearing before a Senate committee. And despite all the pressure she's under and knowing that she's representing tens of millions of women was so grounded, mm -hmm. compelling intelligent and she explained how memory works yeah. and the hypocamus yeah. right <laughs> and yeah. what gets left there and what is not <laughs> but lindsey graham who is not one of my least favorite republicans because at least I th there's something interesting about this guy i hated what he said mm. But he was very good at what he did. I thought his that was a screed. He looked so greasy to me. He looked like he'd shined himself up before it. I felt like he'd bathed in some kind of weird oil. <laughs> well, okay, but 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 okay, <laughs> but the human brain is capable of putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. If you were a Republican, that's exactly what they wanted and oh, yeah. probably needed. No, I think it was probably yes. effective. It, it was, was annoying. Sure it, it was effective. To me, it was and so hypocritical because of how the Republicans... Of course it was hypocritical. It, he's verbally gifted. Yeah. I will my give him that. My point was it was a very well done screed. Yes. My disappointment, and I'm, I wasn't surprised, is not one Democrat, and I like this this woman from Minnesota. What's her name? The senator. Um, she was very good. Amy Klobuchar. But like Blasey Ford, she was measured. Yes. Very firm, very intelligent, yes. very compelling, but measured. Why, after Lindsey Graham finished with that screed, why didn't one of those feckless Democrats I know. in the same voice say, who the hell do you think you're kidding? You held up a magnificent Supreme Court nominee for 10 months for purely political reasons, and you have the hypocrisy to sit there and say that, you, that, that we're going after this guy that's exactly, unfairly? That's exactly what Who I did. Who the hell do you think you're... Why didn't one of the Democrats do that? I, don't, I was doing that to the television. Why, did, why didn't one of them do that? Because they're feckless. They're, uh, you're right. And um, I'm tired of both parties. Anyway, <laughs> there's a good screed coming up, I guarantee it. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain your love drives a man insane you broke my will but what a thrill goodness grace is great balls of fire i let you love what i thought it was funny you can't 
choice <laughs> yeah his birthday yesterday i think 83 years old i love jerry lee still um, rocking yeah this is the woodstock roundtable doug Runther, your host and our co-host today the wonderful poet laureate of our show victoria sullivan on air weekend warrior ron van wormer who after i leave will stick around to play good music for you gus mancini joins us the sultan of sonic soul a little bit later on he'll be playing some cool music for you we're talking lo and behold you know i'm sure you're shocked that we're talking about the Kavanaugh ford situation um and i promised a screed <laughs> because it's a great word it's onomatopoetic meaning it sounds like what it is a screed is how, well, how would you describe Uh-oh. a screed as a former english professor i knew that was going to come <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of sort of one of those words that i i know it but i a definite well it's a laying something out and making something clear. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But but what makes a screed a screed is that it is angry. It is um, uh, argumentative to the nth degree. A screed is a loud invective, right? Well, look it up. Look it up. I've, I've been I, I, I've been wrong be already twice this morning. But I th- <laughs> but I think it is. It's not just laying something out. That could be an argument. Well, it's 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 laying something out in a very focused way. Uh, it's not like a wandering argument. It's like a coming in on a point, and I guess it could be with invective. But usually, when we argue, you're right about eighty percent of the time. Let's see what happens. Well, here. it says here, a long speech or piece of writing, typically one regarded as tedious. <laughs> what? That's not what a screed is. <laughs> it lays um, something out. <laughs> is that? Is that? Uh, uh, what is a screed? Who's the best source for definitions, Victoria? I would I would go to a dictionary, but which dictionary, one? Well, like Webster's or something. Merriam-Webster. Right. Or or you a can, lengthy discourse. Yeah. An informal piece of writing, a ranting piece of Thank writing. Thank you. Anyway, that's what I think. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> I think of it as that's, a ranting piece of. That's writing That's what I was well. taught it was in college. Right. I, but I think it's that's actually, what I was expecting to find. It's, yeah. it's, it's more that it's that it's driven. Yes. It's driven towards a point. But I it's think. not driven in a rational, philosophical way. In, in it's the third driven meaning. in much more a ranting. <laughs> All right, I'll take the third meaning. I was I was totally failing before the third <laughs> be, meaning I, came on. I will grasp for the third meaning. Go for it. I, I assume. I thought I was going to see. The, a rant. Thank you. That's what I was looking. That's what I was. But expecting. then again, we're men. I, I, we're I men, and we like to rant. Yeah, I don't think it is a per se. A well, this rant. is a woman journalist, and you tell me this is an argument, and she lays it out. Okay. But you tell me if it's not a rant. And I, it's beautiful because it gets at one of the issues here. The big issue in this Kavanaugh thing is sexual harassment against women. Right. But there's an uh, there's a related issue here, and that is what I have always found despicable, despite the fact that I have close friends who went through this environment, okay? And that is the elitist prep school. All I male. I can't stand those all-male elitist and prep schools. And particularly, I have to say, and I can say this because of my family background, the Irish Catholic prep schools, Archbishop Stepanak in, in Westchester County, my mother said, you never go out with a boy from Archbishop Stepanak <laughs> because they're wild. 
and they were. And of course, I only wanted to go out with boys. <laughs> Archbishop Stepanak. <laughs> well, but, this was written by uh, before the hearing um, by Jennifer Weiner, an opinion writer. I think she does a pretty good job here. I was 21 years old in 1991, six weeks into my first full-time job when Anita Hill testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I saw the way that things were going to be. I just started working as a newspaper reporter, but I've been working part-time, mostly in the service economy for years. It's not a screed yet. <laughs> I'd been an intern at a... She's doing what you said it was, which is she's laying something out. So once again, you're right. I had, for four springs in a row... Worked at Princeton's reunions, waiting on the men who, with their families, returned to a formerly all-male institution and reminisced loudly and within earshot of me, my fellow alumni, and their own daughters and granddaughters about the former glory and how women had lowered the standards, how the university, Princeton, had been forced to change the words of the alma mater, how women had pushed their way into the school's most sacred spaces, including the eating clubs, and how they were ruining the place. <laughs> I'd smile... Pretend I didn't hear while clearing the dirty dishes. Those men were the past. I was heading into the future. In my newsroom, I was riveted by the hearings and Professor Hill's testimony about her old boss, the Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas, behaved. The references to pornographic movies, to his own sexual prowess, the way he would ask her out again and again and not take no for an answer. I remember her turquoise suit, her red lipstick, her perfect posture, her poise. I remember Justice Thomas's denials and the senator's sneers and pundit's dismissals. She followed him from one job to another, they'd say. Couldn't have been that bad, right? I knew why she'd followed him. By 21, like most women, I'd experienced with, I had experienced with the way the world makes excuses for young men and old ones and instead trains its scrutiny on the women who dare to complain. What's your problem? Was it really such a big deal? Come on, it wasn't like he raped you. Better to tell yourself that the boss who groped you at the office party was just an old goat and that the teenage boy who grabbed you at the pool party was just high-spirited and that all the ones in between were just men. Better to tell yourself the devil you know is better than the one who might be waiting in the next office. Better to work hard and hope you'll get an assignment or a promotion or finally end up in a place where men like that have no sway over you. Except guess what? The joke's on us. There is no such place. Clarence Thomas sits on the Supreme Court. And in the White House sits a man who confessed on tape to how he was automatically attracted to pretty women and just starts to kiss them when he sees them. And how when you're a star, they let you do it. Now that president has picked his own Supreme Court nominee, a man who as a young lawyer worked with Ken Starr to expose President Bill Clinton's affair with an intern. A man who has now been accused of assaulting a young girl at a party when they were both in high school. A man whom President Trump is defending on social media tweeting, I have no doubt that if the attack on Dr. Ford was as bad as she says, charges would have been filed <laughs> and local enforcement authorities would have been called in. <laughs> as a woman, think. as a loving parent, I am angry. The screed is starting to build up. It's taking right. a long time to get to the screed part. It's, right. it's yes. Well, you got two from, from. As a woman, as a loving parent, I'm angry. I'm beyond angry. As the spectacle of Judge Kavanaugh's nomination unfolds, I find myself caught in the undertow of bad memories, stuck in a simmer of rage. Mm -hmm. My hands fall into fists. My jaw clenches. My teeth grind in the night. I send my daughters out into the world each day with a wave and a smile, and I come inside and want to cry out of fury and frustration because the world has not changed fast enough. It's one thing to say, 
hashtag me too, but if I find out it's them too, I can picture myself hunting down the man who hurt them and dismembering him with my fingernails mm -hmm. and burning the whole world down. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> when Clarence Thomas won his seat, I felt like someone had taken an eraser to the core of my being and had rubbed a bit of me away. I felt diminished, less real, and a lot less likely to be believed if I had anything to say about male colleagues. Watching the hashtag MeToo movement gain traction as women's voices were heard and powerful men experienced consequences, it felt like a restoration. If someone was coloring me in again, again, I go back to Jeff Flake who lost all color <laughs> right. in his face. Interesting. Here we are. We're real, just like you. Bill Cosby was found guilty. Harvey Weinstein is going to trial. Les Moonves lost his job as chief executive of CBS. Even if a CBS board member said, I don't care if 30 more women come forward and allege this kind of stuff. <laughs> Good Lord. Except even putting Brett Kavanaugh's nomination aside over the past few weeks, it's felt like someone fired a starter, a starter pistol, one mm -hmm. whose report was pitched only for abusers' ears. One by one, like bad dreams, the Me Too men have come back from the allegations against them. Um, the equivalent of misbehaving child's timeout. Matt Lauer is swanning around Upper East Side steakhouses, assuring fans he'll be back. Louis C.K. returned to the stage. Stories matter. They're how we learn about who is real and who's less consequential, whose pain is important and whose not so much. Women aren't supposed to want revenge any more than we're supposed to be angry. It's not socially approved, not attractive, not ladylike. We swallow our pain and keep our behavior exemplary while excusing the bad behavior of others, knowing from examples like Professor Hills what could happen if we speak up and what we stand to lose. Now, we got a long way That's to go. That's very well expressed. And, and it's it exactly what I've seen women going through. I've, mm -hmm. I've been kind of pleased and shocked and, and pained. But to see the women that I know just in the last few days, they're, they're shaking because it isn't just that they're angry, which they certainly are. It's also painful. You know, I mean, and it's shameful <coughs> and it's embarrassing to talk about what's happened to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that you're proud of it. I mean, you may be proud of the rooms you escaped from. You're not a proud of the rooms you didn't escape from. And the number of times that women in big ways and small ways are sexually aggressed upon is just... Uh, you know, maybe finally it stops at a certain point, but well, here's you go through a long Let's period. Let's go to some of our favorite things, the Greek tragedies, some of the greatest works ever written. Very male-dominated Athens, Greece. Yep. 5th, 6th century B.C. Um, there were many of those dramas. The Meneids, is that the name? How do you pronounce it? Uh, the the Menads, the yes. Menads. The, the <laughs> Look up, how do you spell that? Furies, uh, like M-E, it's e, either M-E-A or M-E-N-E-A-D. Look that up, because as I remember them, I, I right. loved reading the Greek tragedies. These women These had had the enough. Furies, yes, the they, Furies. They came back and started eating, you know, basically dismembering men. Right, physically. well, in the back eye, I mean, they... They go after uh, the men. They go crazy. But but you have a lot of strong women, interestingly, in the tragedies. I mean, you have Clytemnestra mm -hmm. killing Agamemnon. I mean, you do have in the Greek period that sense of female rage of the daughter Electra angry at her mother for killing her father. You know you what know, I would give a lot of money for? Antigone. You know what I give a lot of money for? What? 
if one of the women Democratic senators, Diane Feinstein, after Lindsey Graham's uh, <laughs> tirade, said, "Lindsey, I have two words for you: Lorena Bobbitt." <laughs> right. Meet me in the ass. But you know, the thing is, women are trained. <laughs> for not those who don't remember Lorena like Bobbitt, that. Google it. People, women are trained to be asked to be controlled. And I think one of the scary things right now is that we feel like we're just on the edge of being totally out of control because we're so upset. Right. But that's what it's going to take. That's why the Greek tragedies written so many thousands of years <laughs> yes. ago are so on target. If And this is what powerful people don't understand because of their own arrogance and ego. It's in their benefit not to take too much power away from the people that they have power over because eventually it will ignite a revolution. Okay? No one thought the king of France could ever be overthrown by people. And the he, whole aristocracy. He, he, Louis XIV <laughs> owned the military. He still got his ass thrown out. If you push too far, you will get pushed out. And um, we'll see what happens in terms of the less violent way, which is voting people out. But I don't think that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I'm not advocating violence. I hope it isn't. But I don't see any other way when I look at history. Uh, this has been this pent up energy, which the Greek tragedies were. So what, what were the Greek tragedies about? They were they were uh, they were about catharsis. Right. You Blood went crimes. to see you Blood. went to see the most horrific things that human beings could do to one another, not to depress you, but so you could l- just let out your fury Cleanse. and anger Cleansing. and cleanse yourself yes. of your anger and your frustration at all the um, of all the things that just are wrong, <laughs> and. We are at that stage, and that's where the Republicans are just not being smart. They're just not being smart because they're going to push this to the limit, and the backlash is going to be a, f- a flood, an avalanche, an eruption. You can feel it coming. But you know what's interesting in that woman's screed that you read? Uh, when she talks about how angry she got when she heard this Princeton alumni, I think that this generational thing, men over a certain age, they simply don't get it. They just don't get it. They You're think right. You're right. It, they do not see that there is any inequality. Or they see it's inequality, but they think, well, it's not so bad. I mean, like that thing that's just, you know, like, oh, really? Oh, that couldn't have been that bad, or you couldn't I'll be give that you, upset. I'll give you a very minor <laughs> example that I experienced because I've never experienced, actually, it's not, well, I'll give this one. It, it sounds like a minor example, but it goes to that preppy thing. When I had become a really good tennis player, I was invited to play at this club in my town, tennis club, that didn't allow Jews in. Mm. So I was invited to play with another good player who wanted to you know, practice with me. And uh, I'm going, well, am I allowed in? He said, of course. And here is what was disarming. It would have made more sense to me if I went there and I felt coldness and almost scouring from people around. Everybody was so nice. To, couldn't have been nicer to me. These adults could not have been nicer to me or make me feel more welcome while I was there. And yet they didn't let Jews in but the club. If I, but if I tried to join, they would have right. said no. Right. Mm. When my husband... What is that about? <laughs> when my husband Steve was, was interviewed at this Catholic college that we taught at, 
uh, some of the people actually, when they were interviewing him, said, well, I've got some Jewish friends. You know, it's like, <laughs> hello. I mean, Is I, that really what you say when you're, inter- when you're interviewing a scholar who happens to be I, I, Jewish? They, they wanted to show that. You know, like, I'm not anti-Jewish. I've, I, I've known some Jewish fellows. You know, like, they were nice guys. I, I, I've got some Jewish lawyers. <laughs> right. I think somebody said well, that. How could you not? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a, a mindless quality. I remember, I remember some uh, um, African American celebrity who was taken into a club that he wasn't allowed into, and they made him an honorary white, <laughs> <laughs> so he could get in. Right. It's it's like, I mean, I I have to say with this guy Grassley, I looked up how old he was because he has that the chairman you know, of the Republican yes. Judiciary Committee, and, and, and he's eighty five. Okay, so this eighty five year old man, I think his thing that I saw, and I couldn't even tell what he believed or anything, but it was like I'm going to keep order. Well, I'm in charge. Okay, meeting's over. You know, and this man of that generation just think if I say meeting's over, if some woman said no, sir, you can't have it over, it would be like, it would be as if you had like thrown menstrual fluid at him you know like you can't. Ooh, what a good idea now we're getting back to the greek tragedies <laughs> you, you can't. by the way did you look up the mina- the, the mina- I, I didn't find anything with those spellings you got any other ideas um the back guy were they the, were they the, who are the women who um who were so furious the, that they came the, and, and and totally uh Bacante, yes they they were the followers of bacchus um and and they were the Bacante, and and they you know ran the hillside and and tore the men apart when they were in an ecstatic frenzy um you know <laughs> you don't really want to get super women super mad <laughs> you know but uh they they just you know there's a i was thinking about voice and how I, you know, there was a joke with um, Ted Knight or whatever his name was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. He talks like this. It's and, called Stentorian. Another right. one of my favorite words. This is the Stentorian how, voice. How a man talks who runs things. Yes. And I think the men that talk like that, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Miss Sullivan. No, no, we're not taking any questions now. And that is supposed to shut you up because right. of the tone of voice. And if you say, yes, but we haven't finished the argument. Uh, excuse me. I, I believe we have closed the argument, you know, like there's a quality of, you know, it's they they think that because they're men, because that's their DNA, that they have some kind of right to control things yeah, and think, probably because they're white in this I think, country. I think that's what they've the been world. taught, however. Yes. That is what they were taught. Because they'll raise their voices. They'll just keep raising their voices. And if they're big, they'll menace you physically. You know, there's like a bullying the, quality. Well, after an hour thing. of talking about this, I think the best suggestion <laughs> I've heard is uh, at the next convening of the Judiciary Committee, uh, I would like to see Diane Feinstein and Senator Dobbin, who who's the one from Minnesota? She's really good. Amy, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Throw menstrual blood at the Republicans. <laughs> really? That's what, that's what I think it's going to take. I don't want to see them do it because I really like the way they've been behaving. But I wouldn't mind if some of my angrier sisters <laughs> did nope. such an act. I want to see it. I want to see it on the Judiciary Committee. Yeah. I want to see menstrual blood flowing. We don't want right. to have to take male ta- tactics, actually. You know, we don't want to have to be come as despicable as some of them are. No we want to do it some you other way. Say, excuse me. <laughs> And then a giant picture of the Bobbit thing in free fall. <laughs> right. So wait a minute. Now, where's this coming from? You mean you want, to, you want all this, this important change? You want all this anger and fury that is built up with you legitimately from not only your life, but 
but all the genes in you from your parents, grandparents, all the way back to the back guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you want you want the change to be polite. No, and I don't. Ordered. Miss, no, I just want the people that choose to use that method, and I preferred that in those women Democrats because they were showing to me grace under pressure. They were showing me control. They were so much more impressive than any Hemingway hero because they were. But that misses one point, in my opinion. I was very glad that Christine Blasey Ford was, as I said, as measured, firm, yes. and compelling and intelligent as she was. That was great. We're living in an era of the loud voice. We're living in the era of TV reality. You don't have to like it. I you don't know. have to approve of it. But you don't have a choice. <laughs> and when Lindsey Graham went into his very well done tirade, as mm-hmm. hypo- as, as hip, uh, hypocritical, hypocritical as it was, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't a Democrat meet him with that same voice? Because that's what... Now, I'm not saying that's all we should have, but there has to be some of that on the other side. Yeah, but I don't know that the women have to do it. I I would have been happy for Blumenthal to step up and do that. I'm just curious. Why don't you want a woman to get angry in front of the cameras? I think that they can, but I think some of them don't choose to. They don't wish to go there. That's their choice. I'm just Uh, saying, but, but I think it's needed. Well, but that's also taking the Trump line. You have to get tougher, Kavanaugh. I mean, do we all yeah. have to be like Donald Trump? You have to Trump? fight fire with fire. I don't know about that. That's also taking you, on just, the enemy's nope, tactics. Nope, nope, You're not distinguishing between two things. I'm not saying have the same values as Trump and the Republicans. Right. I'm saying stand up for what we consider more ethical more right. humane values, but, you don't but it's not going to work in polite ways. We've not, more that's not the time we're living in. Perhaps. Well, we need some more screeds. Yep. Well, that, that woman's screed was good. Someone should read that into the congressional record. Along with they could mess- get an actress. They could get Meryl Streep to do it. She doesn't get angry enough. No. <laughs> no. You need Tallulah no. Bankhead. That's what yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah, is Tallulah Are you kidding? <laughs> No, I agree. With Meryl Streep's not the right person. I'll tell you, it doesn't feel good when you get really angry. I don't feel good when I get really angry. Well, then why'd you bust that guy's nose? Why'd you throw a chair at that guy's uh, through that guy's plate uh, windshield? I wanted to, and I didn't. And the other guy bis but broke my nose. Okay, but that <laughs> but your reaction was justified. <laughs> you didn't politely and in a measured way tell him he's not to hit you in the nose. You threw no, a chair I passed his out on the ground. It had to be taken uh, by the police to the hospital. <laughs> you know? uh, but, but you were no, angry. I, no, I definitely get angry, but it doesn't feel good to get angry in public. Well, if that's and, all we have, we'll fail, but we need a little right now. I think, And we're going to get it. Some eloquent we're gonna anger. It. We're going to take it. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, no. No. We need eloquence and we need anger. They don't yeah. go together. Yeah. Here we go. Shouting all about love Well, they cheated you like a dog Blame you for the one who had made it so clear All those years ago Talking all about how to give They don't act with much honesty
Say something warm, the devil's best friend, so...